Imagine you are living in Ireland before the time of cars and tractors. You can only afford one horse. You need a horse that can plow an acre of land, pull a carriage, go hunting, but really, more than anything, you need a horse that isn't lame a day in his life. Enter the Irish Draft. Many people are worried about the demise of the Irish Draft breed, and rightly so. In this episode, you'll learn about the Irish Draft horse steeped in luck, who made history in dressage, and why Irish sport horse stallions have been among the top-ranked eventing producers for nearly 30 years. Hear about Flexible, the fastest horse in Europe, and Mr. Medicott, who competed in two different Olympics, once for Germany and once for the USA. It's not just the Irish horses who have much drive and the cheeky sense of humor to match. Learn about Newgrange, a monument in Ireland that's older than Stonehenge and older than the Pyramids of Giza. And plus, learn why Dublin, Ireland has front doors of every color. You're listening to the Pony Professionals podcast with Kaylee Kiger. If you're enjoying this podcast, please check out our other offerings. On outschool.com, we offer a variety of live, online classes, like equestrian workout classes and club classes, where students can bring video of their riding each week. We also offer a breed class where students can learn core curriculum through the lens of horses. If you're looking for horse training help and inspiration, join the conversation on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. You can find us under the name, The Pony Pros. Hey everybody, this is Kaylee Kiger from Pony Pros, and this week I learned about the Irish Draft breed. So I began by checking out a show with Irish Draft horses in Ireland, and they are so beautiful. I really loved seeing their convex profile and the kind of clean legs that they have. A lot of draft horses have a lot of feathers on their legs, and this particular breed has pretty clean legs. And I learned that that is something that was really sought after, really designed into the breed, because Ireland actually has a lot of burrs and other things that can get caught in their feathers. So gypsy vanners are also all over Ireland and they have a ton of feathers. So it's kind of interesting that with this particular breed, the Irish decided to, to try and have those really clean legs. Um, it's a really practical horse. The Irish draft got used for many different things over the course of any given week in history. So farms tended to be small in Ireland. They tended to be about one acre. So a lot of agriculture agricultural areas tended to need bigger draft horses. So a lot of draft horses are more like 16 hands. While the Irish draft can be as small as 15 hands, they can also be 17 hands, but overall they tend to be a smaller, lighter draft breed. And in fact, in the breed description, it specifically says that they should not be particularly heavy. Um, they should not be cumbersome when they move. So these guys are a little bit slighter, although when you look at them, they still are distinctly a draft. And on any given week, the Irish draft had to be sound because most families in Ireland could only afford one horse. So if that horse was lame at any point during the week, it was really a problem for the family because they couldn't plow their fields, they, didn't, they couldn't go anywhere by carriage, 
uh, it was difficult to go fox hunting. I mean, there was just, they, they just couldn't make use of their horse. So the Irish draft is a very hardy breed and uh, lives a long time. They actually live to be about 30 years old. So uh, they do mature late and that is has been one of the problems sort of with with helping this breed uh, be from becoming too endangered they are a little bit rare at this point and one of the reasons for that is just they do make a phenomenal outcross you can make some really amazing warm bloods using the irish draft as a base but the problem is because the irish draft matures a little bit more slowly than other draft horses people who want to get into the show ring really quickly with a warm blood are using less Irish draft and uh, bringing importing horses to Ireland from other countries like Germany or the Netherlands and using those to create sport horses. So it's really important that the breed does get stewarded and the United States is actually doing a great job. There's an Irish draft horse breed association here that is uh, making sure that Irish sport horses do have that Irish draft heritage. And, and that's great. It's doing a great thing to preserve the breed. So during my, my research, I looked at lots of different videos of purebred Irish drafts and then compared them against Irish draft crosses to just see what the breed is really meant to do and what it's capable of. So it was really great to see Irish drafts jumping. They tend to be topping out around like three foot six because they are a heavier bodied horse but they do have some good spring to their step for a draft horse. And I love their faces. A lot of the Irish drafts have a really cute pony face or a very Iberian face. And that makes perfect sense based on their ancestry. So there was a breed that's now extinct in Ireland called the hobby horse. Um, so the, the way that the Irish draft breed came into existence is crossing hybrid hobby horses with draft horses from other countries like the Clydesdale and uh, a little bit of thoroughbred blood, definitely some Connemara pony blood and Iberian horses believed to have gotten there by via a Spanish shipwreck. And you can really see in the faces of the Irish drafts that either they get that great Iberian head with like a beautiful convex profile or they have this really cute pony face with small ears and they just look like an overgrown Connemara. And I, I just love them. Lots of grays, a few chestnuts. Uh, they do not come in spotted patterns. Like you're not going to see a purebred Irish draft that's a pinto or has Appaloosa markings. Of course, you can get that with a cross though. There was one particular horse that I found in my research. His name is Steeped in Luck. And he's an Irish draft horse that was the first of his breed to perform... Uh, about the second highest international level in in dressage and I loved watching him go around and it's really fun to see a lot of the Irish horses whether it's an Irish sport horse or an Irish draft they have some sort of tip of the hat to Irish culture so they'll have a name that's like got something to do with a pot of gold or a rainbow or luck or something like that and I think that's a great decision because it will help them to be more known on, on the international circuit. And um, it's gotta be hard, like from Ireland to, to breed your horse there and then campaign it because you're moving it from an island uh, and then trying to compete you know, with international health papers and going to the mainland in Europe and things like that. And so it makes sense that 
um, it's been hard to get the, the word out. I mean, Ireland isn't huge to begin with, so uh, a lot of effort has to be made to for these guys to stay well-known on the international stage. So moving on from Irish drafts, I then started to look at Irish sport horses. And this was great because I right away found a video that showed a couple different crosses. It showed an Irish draft crossed with a thoroughbred to get your typical Irish hunter, which really looks just like, you know, a beautiful thoroughbred like plus some. It, it's uh, got a little bit more substance in that same, but really looks honestly like a thoroughbred and was just beautiful. And then, um, so that is the traditional Irish hunter and the most common cross. And then I also looked at a three-quarter bred. So um, you basically would take a, a traditional Irish hunter, half thoroughbred, half Irish draft, and cross it again with a thoroughbred. And um, that was a great, a great looking horse as well. That's used a lot for three-day eventing. And um, great substance, great bone. And I loved looking at these guys. I also looked at a Connemara pony just to to compare and like see the ancestry and then a Connemara thoroughbred cross. And I was basically like triangulating sort of the confirmation of the breed and what I see in the face and the personality and the movement and the color and just um, putting that all together. So one of the Irish sport horses that I went and watched go around was a horse named Flexible. And there is a phenomenal story about Flexible being ridden by Rich Fellers. And they, uh, there was a, a horrible challenge with shipping Flexible from the U.S. over to Europe for competition. And it, I mean, it was just they really got the runaround. And so poor Flexible did not really have adequate time to prepare and was very, um, I don't know, everything was sort of like thrown together. And he could have been really tired. He was 16 at the time, but actually he seemed to be just at the peak of this game. And so on uh, the the most important day of, of the competition, uh, Rich Fellers was watching other riders go and got asked, like, okay, what do you want to jump before you go in for the jump off? And he actually decided not to jump anything. And that was a really big risk to take. So if you are someone who jumps at all, you know that, of course you want to practice before you go into the arena to jump six foot Grand Prix fences. Like the fences are enormous and of course you want to jump a little to get to get your head in the game, to get your horse's head in the game. But Rich Fellers actually decided he was just going to gonna walk and trot flexible and that was it before going in for the jump off, which is a really brave move. But he made that decision based on the week that the horse had had and just how much traveling had happened. And he was like, gosh, this horse has to be tired. So he went to the ring and sure enough flexible at that point became the fastest horse in europe they did an amazing round and flexible flexible was faster just by a little bit than the current fastest horse in europe and it took that and he made it to the top so i really enjoyed hearing that story because uh it's it shows you the heart of the horses and uh, like as a breed uh, the heart of the irish sport horse and just how game they are and how ready to, to go in there and work and um, how much they understand about their job and like internalize about that. So I saw that again with a horse named Mr. Medicott and I love the name Mr. Medicott. It just, it's so perfect. So he's a big chestnut stallion and Mr. Medicott has competed for, at the Olympics, both for the U.S. and for Germany. And the video I watched of him was with Philip Dutton riding and it was really great because 
it, it just flexible, <laughs> flexible, or sorry, um, Mr. Medicott is really fun to watch go around and he takes every jump like with a great spring in his step and he's so focused and um, you, we, I was able to watch a video where Philip Dutton was talking about the horse and how it's one of the best horses he's ridden in his life and he feels so grateful to have this horse. And the horse was ridden by Karen O'Connor previously and so a lot of good people have had these, this horse in their hands and um, the horse now is is basically retired um, and uh, Philip was talking about how the horse you know he still he still had a lot left in him despite his age and he comes out prancing all the time when you change him to the pasture and he's like I don't really know what to do with him because he's still game for everything and but he he really shouldn't be going to the big show so um, he was talking about taking him to the Rolex in Kentucky because it was like, well, you know, he, st he still wants to go and he still wants to work hard after already going to two Olympics. And um, I think he was the top scoring horse in London when he was there, which is amazing. And Karen O'Connor said that she did not have a rail down the entire year that she rode him, which is amazing. I can't imagine going a year without having a rail down. Just really, really cool. So, um, the other, after kind of taking a look at these amazing horses, I then, of course, delved into Ireland. And Ireland is an amazing place, so a great place for amazing horses to be from. So I learned that Ireland is actually the third biggest island in, in Europe. So you've got that island that is basically the United Kingdom, where England is, and then you have Iceland, and then you have the island of Ireland. And... Uh, in my research, I did just a, a little bit of looking at the conflict between Northern Ireland and Ireland because, of course, um, when you have an island and part of it belongs to the United Kingdom and then part of it is its, its own thing, there's going to be some interesting things. So I took a look at the black taxi cab rides that you can do sort of on the border between Northern Ireland and Ireland where taxi cab drivers tell you a little bit about the conflict and you can learn about the history there. And that seemed like something I'd be really interested in doing one day. I'd love to sort of see, I don't know, I guess what that looks like and feels like because that, that would have been a hard thing. And um, it was, I think, 1998 when the Good Friday Agreement happened in Northern Ireland and Ireland stopped having their major conflict where they were bombing each other and things like that. So um, it's, it's an interesting, I think it would be interesting to sort of see that area. I also really enjoyed learning about the history of colored doors in Dublin. So Dublin has a lot of amazing colored doors, like brightly colored. There's some pink ones, some green ones, some blue ones, red ones, lots of great colors. And the reason the doors are colored, supposedly, is that at one point a member of the royal family died and the the uh, government was basically like, everyone should paint their doors black because we should all be in mourning, so the doors should be black. And instead what the Irish did was went out and bought a bunch of brightly colored paint. And that was meant to be like, hey, like <laughs> we, we're not interested in being like under the thumb of the monarchy and we're gonna do exactly the opposite of what you said. But it's phenomenally beautiful at this point because there are these very 
classical, uh, the cla there's classical architecture and everything is very structured, very symmetrical. And then you've got these brightly colored doors and it just makes for a very picturesque, picturesque street. So I enjoyed learning about that history. Then of course you can't talk about Ireland without taking a look at river dance and Irish step dancing. So I went and watched river dance and uh, looked at a, a great demonstration they did where they had a building all lit up in green and they were doing the dancing and um, I, it's amazing how loud it can be with all people synchronized doing the same thing. So that was fun to watch and uh, then I learned about a place I had never heard of before and it's called Newgrange Monument and Newgrange was actually built even before Stonehenge and the pyramids which was really interesting to learn and on the outside Newgrange really doesn't look like much it's I mean I guess that's not entirely fair to say because the outside of it has white quartz uh, but it's not particularly huge it's uh, basically like a circular uh, dome and that there's sort of like a white quartz rim around the outside and that is meant to reflect the light and then inside there are these very big boulders kind of like you would find at Machu Picchu or some of the Mayan ruins something something like really big and really hard to move and people aligned the boulders in such a way that on the winter solstice which is the darkest longest presumably coldest night of the year the uh, the next morning the sun will filter in and light up these bones and so it's used as a burial site and the sun comes in and kind of warms the bones and um, I know a lot of people would think this is sort of macabre but I actually think it's just a really sweet idea because the of course like the dead of winter it's like the longest darkest day you know of the year for the next morning for there to be this light and this warming i i think it's awesome and of course this was done before there was any kind of machinery any kind of tractors or anything to move those bones so people can only or those boulders so people can only speculate about how they got there and then of course the there's the astronomical part of it of figuring out when the solstice would be and how to align everything with like the the right angles to to have that light filter through this pathway and and it's just beautiful so of course it's something that i'd love to check out especially with its age being older than the pyramids i just think that's really neat and i was surprised of course that it's something that i hadn't heard of and it has such a simple name like new grange doesn't really um pop out as something like you know, you don't, you don't hear that and go, oh, that, that must be someplace famous. So it's very understated. And of course, from the outside, it's understated as well, because it's just this sort of like turf mound and you would never know how much was going on there and like how big the boulders are inside. Another thing that I looked at with the light was the Sleeve League Aurora. The, this was fun to see as well, because Ireland, of course, is very far north, but because of the wind patterns, it doesn't get quite as cold as say Iceland for example and so we know that you can see the northern lights when you go north enough to places like Iceland or to Alaska but in fact Ireland is actually far north enough as well so uh, the sleeve league aurora is is quite beautiful everything you, you would expect from the northern lights and in Ireland 
So that, of course, appealed to me because I was like, well, maybe someplace to see the Northern Lights where it wouldn't be quite as cold as Alaska. So sort of the last thing that I did for my day was take a look at Irish tea cake because, of course, every week I like to take a look at one of the desserts or foods from the area. And traditional Irish tea cake reminds me basically of like angel food cake, which is something my family eats a lot. So it's a really simple recipe. It's basically like uh, a stick of butter, a cup of sugar, a cup and a half of flour, half a cup of milk. So pretty easy. There's some eggs, um, the things that you would expect, eggs, vanilla, salt, a little bit of baking soda, those sorts of things to make a cake. But all in all, just really a simple recipe. And um, basically at the end, they coat it with powdered sugar, a little bit of whipped cream, and some berries. And this totally reminds me of what we do at at 4th of July, because we make something just like this and we use raspberries and blueberries and we get our little red, white, and blue thing going. Uh, so Irish tea cake looks awesome. Definitely an easy recipe worth trying and just sort of a fun, a fun lighthearted way to, to end my week of research. So I hope that you enjoyed learning about Irish drafts and Irish sport horses. I know I did and of course, I hope to get to see them a lot more on the international circuit because it seems like a great breed to be stewarding or two two great breeds really. Um, so because they have they seem to be to horses with a great sense of humor and a great worth ethic and they seem so sound and they have so much longevity. So lots of fun this week and I will be back with more stories soon.